You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. So for this movie, uh, Ralph, and if you, uh, surely you know a little bit about Ralph, but maybe you don't know anything about Ralph. Uh, so th- this, this movie's about video games and actually an arcade. They live in the arcade. So a really cool premise about going back to Ralph, uh, uh, Ralph number one, Wreck-It Ralph, and, and then this was really cool. And, but then in this movie, Ralph and the little girl, Vanellope, they go to the Internet. Ralph's done something stupid, and it's ended up breaking her game, so her game's being unplugged. She's going to be homeless, you know, if, if her game doesn't get plugged back in. Uh, but they've got to go find the part that, that they need to, to repair the, uh, the arcade game. And so they, that's why they go to the Internet, because, you know, you can buy anything on the Internet, right? So that's the whole premise of the movie. And so that, that begins to be, you know, just the stuff they have to deal with. But the real conflict, to me, throughout you know, pretty much most of the movie, the real conflict is that Ralph does not want to let go. Ralph does not want to let go of, of, his, of his little friend. And, and uh, you know, not just his best friend, but if you saw the first movie, you know, Vanellope is the only friend Ralph has ever really had in his life. And so he gets fearful of losing his only friend. And that's, uh, that's something that, pretty much every parent deals with a little bit is that fear of dare we say it letting go of letting go and 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 allowing our kids to grow up and I know some of you are brand new parents you know and you're saying hey don't talk about letting go yet I'm just beginning to clutch on and to to enjoy Uh, but it's coming one day it's coming okay so three things three things in this message about uh, for Father's Day Ralph breaks the internet three things and the first one is this dads dads we have to help our kids grow up okay uh, let me read you scripture very very familiar verse of scripture you probably probably heard it quoted or read or you may have even used it a lot of times in your prayer time Proverbs 22 and 6 train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it okay so uh, they're kind of to me there are two parts to this verse right here and I think we really really lean heavily on part B that when our kids grow up they are not going to walk away from God when our kids grow up they're going to remember the scriptures they're going to remember all that okay that, that that's true that's a great promise right there but there's a part A to this this is another one of those if then if A then B will happen and what's the A we got to make sure we take care of the A if we want to see the B you, you, can't, you can't just say, yeah, I get this promise at the end. There's that first part is train up a child in the way, the way they should go. Train up your children in the way they should go. And that's not just spiritually. That's in every area. It doesn't say just train up a child in spiritual areas. Train up your children in the way they should go in every area. And, 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 in every area. and if you do that, then when they grow up, they won't, they won't leave it. It won't leave them. It'll be, it'll be ingrained in them. We have that promise, okay? But here's, here's the thing. We've we got to also balance this, you know, balance letting go while at the same time helping them not grow up too fast. Because, and listen, this is a little over 20 years pastoral experience, and I don't know how many years of youth pastor experience speaking to you today, okay? That I've ministered to and I've gotten caught up in the middle of a lot of conflict in families between parents and kids. 
parents and teenagers and parents and small children. Gotten caught up in a lot of that. And I've seen people on both ends of the spectrum of doing what is necessary to really train up your child and the way they should go so that when they're old and not depart from it. On this end of the spectrum, you know, it's like we've got all the people like Ralph refusing to let go, hanging on, doing everything they can to hang on, keep their kids small, keep their kids under their wing and all that, hanging on and not letting go. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you got people who just totally let go. That at the moment they begin to sense that their, their kids have any level of maturity, they just take off all the stops, you know, just everything. There's not any rules anymore. They just said, well, you know, I've done all I can with them these first, I don't know, 12 years, 14 years, something like that, maybe 18 years even. People do that, and so they just take off all the, all the stops. But somewhere in the middle of that is where we need to be. And, and, and this balance, it kind of it shifts as they grow older. You know, that you got to let go more, you know, and, and letting go over here and then truly letting go. You, you've got to do both. But we have to remember this. Who we're we talking about here? We're talking about our children. They are children. <laughs> They're not adults. They're children. And so, so we have to remember that they're children, and because they're children and they're not ready for all those responsibilities that you and I have and the responsibilities they would end up with if we just totally turned them loose and say, go out and do all, do all that you want to do. There's a quote from the movie, and this is a this good jumping off point for the very next little sub point here, and this is from Yes however you pronounce that, Y-E and the three S's, I don't know, you know, right? Uh, and she's speaking to the internet, and she said, look, this place can bring out the worst in some people. And, and we know that's to be true, right? But there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet that's really, really, really scary. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's out there. And, and I, know, I, I know people on this end of the spectrum, as we were talking just a few moments ago, it's like, it's like they're kind of oblivious to that. Let me, let me talk to you about something right here with the internet, Okay. Let me talk. T take me that next slide right there. Here, this quote right here, because, because here, your your responsibility to keep your kids safe trumps their desire for privacy. You know, you may your kids may say, "Well, I want my privacy," and and what you, your kids may say that. You may hear people in 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 the culture today say that that they deserve their privacy, but your responsibility is to keep them safe, and that is. That is so much higher, that is so much stronger than, than their, even their right for privacy. Ask my wife how she feels about it. This is my house. Anything goes on in my house. If it's in my house, I can read it. <laughs> if it's in my house, I can see it. If it's in my house. And, and, and think about this, Dad. Uh, back years ago, you know what, what we say, like a man's house is his castle, right? So if it's like a castle, you know, if it's like the place I'm supposed to be responsible, I'm responsible. I'm responsible for all the stuff that goes on in that house. And my responsibility for keeping my kids safe trumps their desire for privacy. I don't care how old they are. It does. And, 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 and even if they're grown up and they're adult, my responsibility for keeping them safe trumps their, their desire for privacy. For privacy. So let, let's use that as an example. The Internet is an example right here, okay? Talk about parental controls. you know what parental controls are? If you, if you are a parent or a parent-to-be 
and you don't know what parental controls are for the internet or whatever, then please see somebody before you leave because we got to help you, okay? You got, you, you got to understand there need to be some parental controls. So let's talk about them, all right? Parental controls, I know it sounds like something that parents dreamed up so kids couldn't have any freedom, right? No, parental controls protect your kids from being lured astray. Um, does anybody, come on, I, I, I need you to answer me here, okay? Raise your hand and just say it. Does anybody have antivirus software like McAfee or, or any of those kinds of things. Anybody, Norton, y'all have any of that? Anybody have that stuff on your phone, uh, I mean, uh, on your computers? Anybody have that stuff? Oh my goodness, y'all are worrying me to death. I, we got to have some parental controls from pastor help you guys take care of yourself, right? Uh, how many of you know that if you get an email from someone that you don't recognize and it's got a link and it says click on this for something amazing, how many of you know not to open that link, right? Y'all know that, right? Right? Oh goodness, some of y'all still not raising your hand over there. So, okay, we might have to have an internet class right, right here. So, and, but, you know, sometimes, have you ever, even though you knew not to, you did it before you thought? You clicked on the wrong thing? And so that's why a lot of people have, a lot of people like me have, uh, you know, software to protect their, their, their computers from getting hacked and, and from people who will come in and try to destroy or try to steal uh, information away from them, right? That's, that's why people have those kinds of things. If I need... If a 58-year-old if a man needs that kind of protection from the Internet, how, don't you think your 8-year-old son or daughter needs some kind of protection from the Internet? Or you're 12 or you're 15 or you're 18? Because there are people there that want to lure them astray. Uh, uh, but parental controls also protect your kids from harm. Like in the movie, Ralph goes to the dark net. I mean, a scary, scary place. And you know what? Anybody can go there. Anyone can go. Your kids can go there. Your kids can go there. Or, or at another point in the, uh, in the movie, uh, Ralph starts, he goes to the comment section, he starts reading the comments. And you know what? You start going to the comment section, read what people are saying about you, the internet can be a very hurtful place. I don't, I don't know if y'all have ever read any hurts, hurtful stuff on like Facebook or anything like that. Y'all never seen anything like that, have you? Not, not ever seen anybody uh, hurt someone else's feelings or say anything that was like that. Parental controls protect your kids from harm. And parental controls also protect your kids from getting lost. There's, there's a scene, I think a little bit of it is, is shown there in the clip we just watched, that when they first arrive uh, at, at the Internet, it's like, wow, this big, huge, amazing thing. And, and it's, it's just overwhelming to see it all. And, and then you see all these little, these little logos and things, and you realize, oh, okay, that's supposed to be this one, and that's supposed to be that one. And, and, and like the Google one, uh, Ralph thinks is, is goggles. He said, oh, okay, there's a place you can get all the goggles that you want. You know, he misreads it or whatever. So all those are out there. So all this, and it's just overwhelming. Wow, look at all this stuff. The Internet is a place people get lost. And I don't mean they just lose their day, you know, as they just flip, 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 flip. But it's a place where people get lost. Parental controls protect your kids from getting lost. And I'm not just talking about the Internet anymore. The parental controls that we put around our kids protect our kids protect our kids from being lured astray protect our kids from harm protect our kids from getting lost that's why we need to have those and as, as our kids grow up we, we start maybe pulling those back a little bit giving them a little more freedom you know but we don't, we don't just you know we don't just go like that but we pull back a little bit but the more we pull back maybe from the parental controls we need to probably increase some rules 
You see, those are kind of two different things in a little bit of a way. And, and some people think they don't have to have rules. But yeah, we all need rules. We all, I, I have rules. You know, you've heard me say one, one that I've, I probably work into a sermon three or four times a year at least is I don't watch R-rated movies. But with VidAngel, now I get to because I can, I can filter out all that stuff, right? I can even watch them with my grandkids. So another little commercial there for VidAngel. But I've got rules for my life. Do you, have, do you not have some rules for your life? If you don't, I guarantee you, your life is a mess. Now maybe, maybe you're thinking, I don't have any rules, Pastor. No, no, no. If your life is together, then you have some rules. You just might not have them written down somewhere, or you might not talk about them all the time, but you have rules, okay? It's like, uh, uh, I, I heard this a lot as, as a youth pastor, and I'm still hearing it as a pastor. Well, my, my kids, though, you know, they're, they're big enough to just make those decisions by myself. You know, I can't make them whatever, whatever, whatever. They're 18 years old, and I can't make them do They living in your house? They stay in your because here's, here's the way I see this. It's when things go wrong, when things go wrong in my house, the place that I'm responsible for, and I'm talking about like even right here in this church, but, you know, that's the place I feel responsible for in this church, in my house. I believe Jesus is coming to talk to me first before he starts talking to everybody else. He's going to ask me, well, what did you do about that? I believe I have responsibility for that. And the rules, and, and you say, well, they're 18, but they're still living in your house. Well, they're 25 years old, if, but they're still living in your house. Let me, let me tell you this. Let me say it to you this way. I don't care if you're 80 years old. If you come to my house, there are rules. And I don't have them taped up on the wall or anything, but you can't walk in the door and talk to my wife any way you want to talk to her. You can't walk in the door and treat my grandkids any way you want to treat my grandkids. You can't walk in the house and take my stuff and walk out the door. There are rules in my house. And if, and if I and, and, and others have rules, then definitely my kids and my grandkids need some rules. And here, we misunderstand what adulthood is, okay? Give me, give me that next. Oh, there it is. Okay, it's already up there. Adulthood isn't getting to live without rules. Being an adult means having the maturity to set your own rules. That's what being an adult is. It's saying, okay, I got to get up and go to work. I got to pay the bills. I've got to do this. I got to, I got to set rules. I don't watch R-rated movies. What, what, what are your rules? Being an adult is setting your own rules. And until your kids get to that place where they can set their own rules, they need you to keep setting the rules. No matter what, what age, age doesn't matter. Age, age does not. I still, I'm 58 years old. I still have rules. And you do too, whether you live by them or not. You have rules that you're supposed to be living by. They need rules. Okay, so here's the second thing. Guys, dads, we are the examples. And we're not the only examples in their life, but we are the examples. That doesn't mean mom's not an example. That doesn't mean others. But the dad is the example. Now, in the movie, Ralph was a horrible example. As he was trying to get this steering wheel, as he was trying to find this part for, for uh, Vanellope's uh, uh, game, as he was trying to find this, he did some things that I would kind of call shady. <laughs> you know, like... Oh, don't, don't show her that. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't say it's okay. He was doing all these things like he was doing it for her. Man, I've seen a lot of parents make this mistake. And because I'm doing it for the kids, it's okay to maybe do it this way. But he wasn't thinking about what he was teaching her. 
wasn't thinking about the wasn't thinking about what he was putting inside of her what he was putting uh, making her think about that you know the seed that was planted inside of her so that when she grows up she says well this way my dad did it this is the way my dad got around that rule this is the way my dad figured that this is the way my dad would obtain that even if it was illegal or whatever he didn't realize what he was doing what he was putting inside of her all right listen I'm a granddad you know that right it's come up in a sermon or two right uh, already been already come up in this one already right I'm a granddad and you know there are some things that I want my grandkids to think about me I want them to think I am the most amazing pop that has ever lived in the whole world come on you do too just say amen you know what I'm talking about I want them to think that my 25 year old four-wheel drive five-speed manual stick shift is the most amazing vehicle they have ever and will ever be able to ride in especially if we can get it out on a little dirt or mud right I want them to believe that I get offended when somebody asks me if I know how to do something <laughs> I, want, I, I, I want that you know I want them to think I get offended because I kind of I kind of play that up you know if somebody says uh, do, do you think you could do that I say, well if you know now I got to do it show you that I know how to do it you know I kind of play that up. so I, I want them to kind of think that right y'all understand where I'm going right but in reality those aren't really the things I want my grandkids to remember about me I play that up yeah I play that up and we all kind of we all kind of want to be Superman you know we all kind of want to be the hero the one that can do it all we kind of all want that to a little extent but in reality here's what I know is I know I know I'm not the number one example in their life all my grandkids have a have a dad okay and thank God all my grandkids their dads are in church in this building right now <laughs> thank God they are the number one example I know that but you know what else I know I'm in the top three they are gonna look to their dad first for the example and then I know I'm number two or number three I'm going to be the number two or the number three example in my grandkids lives I'm still number I'm still a number one example in my own kids lives but I know I'm going to be it. So even though, even though now I've got grandkids, I'm not passing that off. I've st I'm still, I still have responsibility. They're still looking at me. I'm number two, number three. I'm in the top three of the example of what it is to be a man of God and follow after Jesus Christ. You see, because in reality, I don't really want them to believe I can do anything. In reality, I want them to see the example in me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the example I need to set, that you need to set. Because in reality, guys, dads, granddads especially, dads, you are where they're going to learn how to handle and do some things. There's, I got a list of things. And this, is, this is a small list right here. We, we are the example where our kids, our grandkids, our nieces and nephews are going to learn about honesty. What are they learning about honesty from you? They're not learning that honesty is situational, are they? That sometimes we don't tell the truth. Sometimes it's so. They're going to learn about honesty from you. Not, not what you teach, but what you do.
They're going to learn your example of honesty from you. Or uh, apologies of making things right. Oh, well, now that goes out the door. If I'm wanting to show them how to make apologies, then I've got to, I've got to prove to them that maybe I'm not the very best pop that's ever lived in the whole face of the earth. But maybe I can still be by resurrected. This past week, I actually had to, had to apologize to one of my, one of my grandkids. And while I'm apologizing to them, because I went just a little too far, you know, a little attitude or whatever, you know, and so, and, and, but you know, you, know what, you know what's going on, right? As I'm apologizing and saying, look, I'm sorry, and I'm, then I kind of want to say, but listen, here's the reason I did that. Y'all don't do that, do you? Y'all don't apologize and say, but, but you know, the reason I did that was because you, y'all don't do that. That doesn't come up in your mind, in your apologies. Do, listen. I don't want them to get that kind of, of an understanding of what an apology is. I want them, I, I want to be the example, and I want their dads to be the example of what it means to apologize and make things right. Uh, the example of always, I've always learning and growing, and I wasn't going to preach these, but I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to hurry, but always learning and growing. Listen, I, I, I don't want my kid, my grandkids, you know, like that last thing that I said, I know how to do everything. I don't want them to think I already know how to do everything, that I'm not growing, because I don't want them to think they will ever get to a place that they can stop growing. I want them to always know there's something else to go for. There's some, some, something deeper to understand about God. There's a, there's a little bit, they can walk a little closer with Him, and I, I want them to understand that, and they're not going to understand that if I try to teach them I've figured it all out, or, or, or connecting. I can tell you something. If you want to raise maladjusted adults, if you want to raise your kids to be maladjusted adults, let me tell you how to do it. Be a loner. Don't let them see you connect with anybody else. Don't let, don't let them see you have a best friend. Don't let them see you connect with people at, at, at church or in the community or anything. Be a loner. Don't let them see how to talk to people. If, but if you want to raise well-adjusted kids, kids who, who grow up as adults and are able to actually function in this life, then you're going you're gonna to have to connect with some people. You're going to have to show them how to connect with others. You're going to have to show them how to look somebody in the eye when you're talking, how to, how to give a handshake if they're a little boy, how to hold the door open for, for ladies. And, and no matter how old they are, hold the door open for people who are older than them. If you want to raise well-adjusted adults, then you're going to have to... Ex- be the example to them of how to connect with other people because it's going to take that in life for them but if you want them to be maladjusted just go ahead and you be alone and they'll grow up to be weirdo like you are too okay because they won't know how to talk to anybody they won't know how to how to act around other people and that's going to be important for them to have a job for them to to be able to excel and be promoted, it's going to be important. So, man, I didn't know I was going to spend all that time on that. Uh, uh, we're the example of evangelism. Here, let me ask you this question real quick. Have your kids ever heard you, or your grandkids if you're a grandfather, have your kids ever heard you invite someone to church? If they don't hear you do it, one, they won't know how. Two, they won't know that it's important to do. You are the example Show them how to invite somebody to church. Wear your 2911 shirt and just wait for somebody to say, what's that? And, and you got the, op- the opportunity, or the Bible. Do, do, when, when they look over your shoulder and you've got your phone in your hand, do they ever see you reading Scripture? Or do they, ever, if, you, if you use a, a hard copy or a Bible, do they ever see you open it? Or, or, or maybe even more importantly than that, do they ever hear you use the Bible, the Scripture, the Word of God in your daily life? 
because one of the things I want my grandkids to get is that the Bible's not something I just read. It's something I live. And it comes up in my life throughout the week. Or, or, or prayer. Do they hear you pray? Or do you ever say things like, you know, we need to make that a matter of prayer. You know, the Bible says that we have this. Jesus promised us this. Jesus has given us this, so we need to pray about that. Do they ever hear that kind of a thing? Or their faith? And I'm, that's going to come up here in this last point I'm about to throw at you real quick, okay? About faith. But they're going to, they're going to model their faith after the things they see modeled in front of them. Which leads me. Oh, man, I... I, I, I really need to, let me, let, me, let me go ahead and read this as quick as I can, okay, because I've got to give you this example. I was going to skip it because of time, but i got to give you this example. I don't know if you've heard of a lot back in the Bible, Genesis chapter 13, and, uh, then, and if you've heard of Sodom and Gomorrah, okay, here's how he got there. Lot, Lot uh, was with his uncle, Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham. Uh, so this is the same guy, Abram, Abraham, okay? And uh, Lot was with his uncle, and their, their families got so big, and they, they, they got so rich and so well off that Abraham comes to him and says, look, look, you know, we're starting to have squabbles between some of our servants, so why don't you take this side of, of the land and I'll take this side, or if you want to take this side, then I'll take this. You choose. Okay, so here's what happened. Lot took a long look then at the fertile plains. The area was well watered like the garden of the Lord. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley and parted company with his uncle Abram, who was about to have his name changed to Abraham. If I had time to preach right here, I would jump on this and I would talk to you about the dangers of parting company with your spiritual leaders and fathers and mentors. Don't lose connection with those people who have gotten you this far in your spiritual walk with God. And, and, and Lot was rich. I mean, I mean, just, just earthly rich. He was rich. He had money. He had possessions because of Abraham. And he's departing from him. He's parting away from him. You know, he, it's like, I, I, well, I, it was Abraham's idea. Abraham didn't say completely depart from him. He didn't say don't come to my house or anything. Lot was, oh, yeah, sounds good to me. And he went and he took the best. And, and so look what he took. He moved to a place near Sodom. Sodom. I, synonymous with the evil and the wickedness that is in the world. I mean, that's what, when we say Sodom and Gomorrah, that's what we think about, right? We're talking about this city right here. So Lot moved to a place near Sodom. He settled among the cities where the people were extremely wicked and constantly sinned. Here's, here's, what, here's how Lot failed his family. He looked and he saw a well-watered place, a garden-like place. He saw something beautiful. He saw something better. He chose that even though there was a city there full of wickedness. And I'm, I mean, I'm, try, I'm really trying to hurry, but there's just so much of this. This, this. this story right here is just so rich for fathers to understand. He lost his sons-in-laws. His daughters get, get married there. When they leave, his sons-in-laws die in the city. He loses his wife. And then his two daughters get him drunk and commit a horrible despicable act with him lot lost his whole family you know why because he looked at this land or that and he chose the way the world cho chooses he chose what he wanted he chose what he thought was best the way the world chooses our 
kids and grandkids need to see us making choices the way God makes choices, not the way the world makes choices. He chose wrong. And, and if we take this, back to the, take this back to the movie, Ralph and Vanellope, they were doing the same thing. They were choosing what they wanted, what they thought they had to have, and they almost missed what they needed. So dads, don't just teach your kids to chase what they want. Teach them to also chase, first and foremost, who they need in their life. Make sure they know what that is. And that leads real well in the last thing, and I'll do this as quick as I can, is, is, is dads, we have the lead responsibility of discipleship. Again, another scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, that you're probably familiar with. says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. And um, that's another one I think we, we, we really get one half of it, and we kind of ignore the other half. The first half is the half we hit. We say, yeah, parents shouldn't be uh, angry, and they shouldn't make their kids be angry and do things that they'll regret one day. Dads ought to calm down and not be so mean, mean to their kids. And we, we get that part, and we skip that last part, rather. You know, so, so the first part is what not to do, and the second part is what to do. What should we really be focusing on then, Right? We should be focusing on the what to do, not just not doing the bad, but doing. Rather, bring them up with a discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. The lead responsibility of discipleship is mine as a dad. That's the that doesn't mean my wife doesn't have discipline, uh, discipling responsibility. I have the lead responsibility. And not do, not do I just have the responsibility. I have, I have the main opportunity. What I do... It's going to carry a lot of weight. These are stats from Lifeway Research Group right here, okay? This one on the teenagers. Next slide. I'm sorry. Did I skip the teenagers? There it goes. Teenagers are more likely to imitate their parents' faith than any other person's faith in their life. We're worried. We're worried they're going to meet someone at school. We're worried they're going to have a professor in college that's going to teach them something. We're worried that they're going to meet someone online. We're worried that they're going to make a friendship at Starbucks or somewhere totally innocent, but that is going to lead them away from God. But the truth of the matter is, teenagers are going to model their faith more after their parents than any other person in their life. That's, a, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. That's an awesome thing. So to understand that you and I, and especially us dads, we have the lead responsibility in discipling our kids to follow God. But let me show it to you right here in discipleship. Okay, next, that next slide now. Is parents involved in discipleship? When neither parent is involved in discipleship. Okay, but, but, but now you need to understand what I'm talking about. When neither parent is involved in discipleship for themselves, then only 6% of their children will be involved in discipleship when they grow up. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about Sunday school, small groups, or any other organized process of discipleship. If the parents aren't involved in it themselves, only 6% are going to be when they grow up. You, you know how that happens? We finally reach a kid that their parents won't go to, won't go to you know, Sunday school or kids' church or anything. We'll finally reach a teenager on a Wednesday night that their parents won't go anything like we'll finally reach them so that's where the six percent comes from but man it's tough to get those 
But what if mom, what if mom is, in, is involved? If mom only is involved in discipleship, Sunday school, small groups, or, or some, some other kind of organized discipleship process, that number more than doubles, up to 15% for mom to just say, okay, I'm going to take, it, my husband won't go, but I'm going to go. It jumps to 15%. That's amazing, except for the fact when you realize if she's got six kids, only one of them is going to grow up and follow in her footsteps. Now, that sounds like, man, mom doesn't have much power. No, here's the problem, is mom's got, mom's got power in being able to be the example, but then there's another example in, in their kids' lives that is saying it's still not important. That's the problem. So what if dad? What if dad only 55%? You getting it now, dad? They're watching you more than they're watching anybody else. Even if your wife won't go to a small group, but you get involved in small groups. To be discipled, if you get involved, then, you, then you're, you're taking your kids. The likelihood that your kids will grow up and be involved in discipleship is 50-50 pretty much. Even if your spouse won't do it. Dad, that's why it's important. But what if? What if both? What if both? Both parents? 72. It goes to 72%. If you and your spouse, if you both are involved in your own discipleship, Sunday school, small groups, some, some organized process of discipleship, then three out of four of your kids are going to grow up and be involved in that as well. That sounds pretty powerful, doesn't it? All I got to do is, I just got to go to small group. All I got to do is go to small group, and it makes my kid want to be disciple for the rest of their life. Three out of a four chance. You know what? That sounds like every one of us needs to sign up for a small group today, and Kyle did not pay me to say that, okay? So our small group's pastor, okay? But sounds like, let me take it a step further with this. More stats. La the last little bit. Okay, wrapping this up. What about salvation? Just salvation. When a kid gets saved first, when it's a child of the family that gets saved first, the probability that the rest of the family will follow is 3.5%. Here's, here's what that means. A kid gets saved in our kids' church across the hall. The probability that every one of his siblings and his mom and his dad all get saved is 3.5%. You know, because, I mean, he's not going to go home and probably lead his parents to know Jesus. Maybe he'll lead a, a, a sibling. Maybe he'll lead a little brother or a little sister to come. Maybe he'll lead a parent to come. But chances are, 3.5% 3, 3 is all, the only chances that we have of, of seeing that whole. That, that's, that's the past. It doesn't mean what the future is. That's the past. This is just to show you how strong this is, okay? But what about what about? When a mom accepts Jesus first, 17%. You know what, it's, what's interesting to me is that is real close to the other number about discipleship. It's almost like mo mom's ability to lead when the dad is not doing his part is still right about that same place, 15 to 17%. You know, th but then what about the next one? When dad is the first one to become, what do you think that might be? I think it might be that 55 or that 17. When dad is the first, 93%. When dad is the first person in the family to become a Christian, the chances that everyone else in the family becomes a Christian is 93%. You know, and you may say, well, that's not the way it happened in my family, so we're messed up, aren't we? No, you're not. That's not what, this po that's not what the point here is. The point here is about the power that you have, dad to be the example of discipleship and salvation in your family and what it's going to do to the rest of your family. You might be the third, fourth, fifth, sixth. I, 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 I can tell you. Ask my dad, he'll tell you. My mom is the reason we're all in church today. 
My dad didn't get in church, and when he got in church, getting right into, right into ministry, that was when I was about 12, 13 years old. My mom was fighting the battle. Just, so I'm saying this to you moms who think, well, I'm all alone. I gotta, I'm going to be in at 17%. No, my mom was fighting. Let me, tell you what, let me tell you what my mom's got now today is all three of her boys are in church right this moment. And their three spouses, all of them, their spouses, they are in church right now, right this moment. And all of their grandkids, all of my mom's grandkids are in church right this moment. Every, every single one of them are in church right this moment. And even great-grandkids, every single one. Listen, I, I, stats, I'm not going for 17. I'm not going for 15. I'm not even going for 93. I'm praying, God, I want every single one of my descendants to be in heaven with me for eternity. And when, when we do what we're supposed to, we have, we, have this, we have this ability as parents. God has put it in us and in our kids to watch us and to follow us if we'll just stand up and be the man that we're supposed to be, Dad. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.